0: I'm yeah. You're tuned into the Mid-Ten Listens Podcast hosted by Music.com, Supporting and empowering the independent music community online since 2011 Head on over to our website to find more music as well as to learn about our Indie Musicpreneurs Tribe where we share our library of tips and guides on business, entrepreneurship, productivity, social media, digital marketing, email marketing, websites, and much more You can also check out our book, Getting Your Music Heard Online now on Amazon as a paperback and Kindle Welcome to another episode of the Mid-Ten Listens Podcast. It's your host Joshua Smotherman, Middletennesseemusic.com and today we're tuned in with Eric Anders and we're going to talk in depth about his newest project, 11.9. We're also going to reference some previous features we've done of his music on Middletennesseemusic.com and much, much more. This is a good one, so buckle up and get ready. What's up, Eric? I hope all is well on your side of the screen. Let's just jump into it. What style of music do you create? Describe that in your own words, and just tell us a little bit about you, yourself, where you came from, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Joshua, and thanks to you and to Middle Tennessee Music for doing this interview and for your excellent past reviews. With regard to where I'm from, I'm a third-generation Californian, but did most of my growing up elsewhere, particularly on the East Coast and D.C., upstate New York, and uh, Rhode Island, too. My music is pretty traditionally American singer-songwriter. I grew up listening to Neil Young, CSNY, The Doors, Creedence, James Taylor, and Paul Simon. Of course, since I was born in the 60s, I also listened to a lot of British music too, The Rolling Stones, Elton John, Cat Stevens, and of course, The Beatles. A lot of Beatles. Pretty standard fare, nothing very unique for my generation. I think you can hear these influences in my music, for sure. Uh, I hope you can forgive me for reading my responses. Um, I have a lot of, my responses are long and uh, there's no way I would be able to remember them.
0: So tell us how you got started in music, what led you down this path and what motivates you to stay on course?
1: So at the ripe old age of 37 in 2002, I had just earned a, an English PhD a couple years before and was training to be a psychoanalyst. Around that time, I started getting into singing and was lucky enough to meet guitarist and songwriter Marco Obitz. Mark encouraged me to try to write some songs with him, and before we knew it, we had almost 20 songs written together. More than 20 would follow, and they keep coming. I am glad to say. Uh, I don't play a musical instrument. My job when I'm collaborating is to come up with melodies and write the lyrics. I have collaborated with other guitar players uh... other guitar players besides mark but i continue to work with mark most successfully and probably seventy percent of the songs i've co-written on my eight releases were written with mark in fact mark and i have been working together a lot lately we collaborated on on one hundred percent of the songs on my upcoming ninth release which will simply be called home i hope to release this full-length album in early twenty eighteen Mark and I will be headed to Seattle soon to record this new project with Matt Brown. Matt Emerson Brown is uh, my producer since 2006. We will be using the same studio we used to record my most recent release, 11.9. The studio is called Electro Kitty. It's in Wallingford in Seattle, and we hope to gather most of the same musicians we had on 11.9. Um especially the violin. We, uh, uh, Garrett Reynolds was on violin, and uh, we uh, really appreciated his engineering skills. And uh, Jeff Fielder on guitar, on electric guitar. Andrew Rudd on drums. Stephen Baldock on bass. Aaron Otheim on piano. The backing vocals and banjo of Lydia Ramsey and the backing vocals of Annika Reichert. Only four of the 10 songs on 11.9 were written with Marco Bitz. My primary collaborator on 11.9 was Matt Emerson Brown. And uh, you can find Matt at um, his production website at emerson77.com. My collaboration with Matt on 11.9 went way beyond the three songs we wrote together for that album. Matt guided that album from its very beginning, starting from the date it was named after, the 9th of November, 2016, a day that would live in infamy. Early on, Matt guided my work on the demos with my guitarist nephew, Tyler Nuffer. Tyler ended up playing acoustic guitar during the 11-9 sessions. Um, Matt is doing the same now on home, as Mark and I write the songs and work up the, those demos. Beyond the huge impact Matt has had on all of the albums of mine he has produced, he has also been a significant influence on me and my music in general. Matt is one of the founding members of the band Trespassers William, which is signed by Network, and his, the main uh, other band member is Annalyn Williams. I met Matt in 2005 at Sonic Wire Recording Studios in Orange County. We ended up becoming close friends in addition to working on music together. And he was the best man at my wedding in 2005. So getting back to the original question, I owe a lot to Matt Brown and to Marco Bits for encouraging this music late bloomer to write and record the songs he helped create. Both Matt and Mark have become my close friends and my primary music collaborators. I, th- I feel that we are essentially a band now at this point, though we still release music under my name. Excuse me. For someone who had essentially done nothing in music prior to the ripe old age of 37, I really benefited from the kind of trusted support and encouragement that can only come from seasoned and gifted musicians. Uh, musicians and songwriters like Matt and Mark... With regard to what motivates me to stay the course, um, as you asked, both Mark and Matt have been instrumental in that, too. Mark since I got started in music in 2002, and Matt since we first started working together in 2005. My life really changed when I got married and started raising kids in 2005. After releasing Tethered to the Ground in 2006, I had to take a break from making music. Up to that point, I'd been releasing one CD per year, The time demands of marriage, family, babies made 2006 a real year of transition for me. That year I followed Matt to Seattle with the hopes of starting a studio with him, but the realities of family life and a whole lot of rain and gray convinced me to move back to California after less than a year in that wonderful city. Matt would stay on for many more years. I would not return to Seattle or to music for five years. Um... In 2011, Matt and I met up in Seattle to record my second political EP, Remains in Me, which was inspired by the Michael Apted documentary Incident at Oglala. The songs are all about white American oppression of Native Americans. The title track is still one of my favorites and is a great example of the Seattle sound Matt and I were going for um, uh, after Tethered to the Ground. It highlights Matt's artistry, uh, or this song highlights Matt's artistry and the artistry of Jeff Fielder on electric guitar. The lyrics explain the title, and I consider it to be one of my best political protest songs. I spent the years between Tethered to the Ground in 2006 and Remains in Me in 2011, moving back to California, getting my day job career as a psychoanalyst started in, in earnest having and raising kids, and trying to be a good enough husband and father. I didn't have enough time for music during those years, and it was difficult to find the time to work on Remains in Me in 2011. After Remains in Me, Mark, Matt, and I were, weren't in regular contact that much for another five years. Again, for those years, I just couldn't find the time to work on music. Matt moved to Germany, and Mark continued to work in the music industry in Southern California, My sixth release would come after this second five-year wait. In 2016, I decided to release a best-of compilation. It's called Big World Abide, which you, Joshua, reviewed so kindly for Middle Tennessee Music back in 2016. Very grateful for that superb review and for your more recent and also excellent review of 11.9. Around September of 2016, just prior prior to the catastrophe that gave me Reason, for I started to talk to Matt about working on some old songs I I had lying about. They were songs I had written with Mark that had never found an album to be released on. These songs weren't about politics or not being able to find love, as many of my songs were about on my first four releases. These songs were about married life, raising kids, and yes, getting older, a topic not often written about by singer-songwriters. Elton John's 60 Years On was released when he was 23. Paul McCartney was 25 when The Beatles released When I'm 64. Paul Simon was 27 uh, when he recorded the song Old Friends. So many of our great singer-songwriter works are written by young adults, and therefore the dominant themes of this genre, a genre that has a lot of power for artistic insight, are skewed toward younger themes and younger perspectives. I am 53, and I feel I have ideas and passions I want to write about that fit with this genre very well, and not just about aging and family, also about politics. I think my experience has given me political insight. Also, my age and experience uh, with a good marriage and as a father have, have also given me a whole new perspective and some insight, I hope, too. How many songs can you think of that deal with what goes on, goes into a successful marriage or into successful parenting? I thought these songs about family, marriage, and aging might make an, a nice EP called "Home." And back in September of 2016, Matt agreed and decided to fly to California from for, from Germany. We wanted. Uh, Matt wanted to help me work on these songs for the Home Project. We made some good progress, but then Trump happened and 11-9. I, des- I decided immediately to shelve the Home Project, and Matt made another trip out from Germany that November to work on our new project, a full-length anti-Trump album, 11-9, named after the date of the catastrophic event, November 9th, 2016, and also a reference to that other catastrophic date in American history, 9-11. We partnered up with the righteously cool people at Lambda Legal and put out an album that we hoped could be a soundtrack for the resistance. For 119 I wrote 2 new songs with Matt, inside the Sacri- sacrifice zone and do you feel. Matt also helped me with an unfinished song I got started with Greg Gallardo, uh, who was in the band, who is in the band Random Parade. This song is called, uh, This Fire Has Burned Too Long. This song had been a sleeper for a long time and was even a sleeper to me as we went into the studio. I was surprised when this song became the obvious song to put as track one on Eleven Nine. I just released this video uh, for, This Fire Has Burned Too Long, uh, which we believe is a rather topical video, given how soon, music video, given how soon after Charlottesville, and Trump's pardon of Sheriff Arpaio, how recent those two events are to now. The filmmaker for the music video is a German friend of Matt's. His name is Bjorn Bauman. Bjorn also did the music video for my altered lyric cover of Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes. Since I mentioned altered lyric covers, which probably a lot of people haven't heard of, it makes me want to switch gears a bit um, uh, since the we had uh, planned to bring a lot of altered lyric covers into um, the recording sessions of 11.9. But let me go back further. Um, back in 2005, Mark and I presented our demo for this version of Blister in the Sun to Matt we were able to find in in a frenetic uh, songs, um, we found this frenetic songs, Inner Slowed Down Beauty. And that was what I wanted to do with our version of Blister in the Sun. I think we succeeded, but none of us knew if we would be able to release this cover because we changed the lyrics. When Matt had finished his masterful production of blister and this of our version of blister in the sun, for tethered to the ground, for that that 2006 album, the first one that Matt and I worked on together, and that's the uh, version that you hear in the music video. We sent that version off to not the music video. The music video didn't get done until much later, but we sent it, uh, our our version of blister in the sun to Gordon Gano for permission to release this. To release the altered lyric version, Gano, the violent femme who wrote the song, loved our version and granted us permission. Ten years later, I had not forgotten. Ten years later, as we uh, started working on Eleven Nine, I had not forgotten. Uh, actually, it was yeah, it was ten years later. Ten years later, I had not forgotten. Uh, Gano's really positive uh, response to our radical changes to his iconic masterpiece of his song. If people are able to he- able to hear the original in our version, it usually happens well into the song. Maybe Gordon Gano was okay with my changing the lyrics because our version really asked for a very different mood and therefore a different lyric. Our success with this cover song, however, might have ha- made me a little overconfident as I went into the recording sessions for Eleven Nine, because I entered those recording sessions with three altered lyric anti-Trump versions and all three, of the co- all three of the covers were of fantastic songs and one of them was a truly iconic song, Neil Young's After the Gold Rush. So yes, there was quite a bit of hubris going on for me and I tried to convince the entertainment lawyer that Lambda Legal provided us When I tried to explain to him that Neil Young, R.E.M., and Taylor Swift, or maybe just Neil Young and R.E.M., were clearly disgusted by Trump, so they may be open to my changing some of their lyrics to to what I call their mega songs. R.E.M.'s song was uh, Leave, which is on adventures in hi-fi, and um, it has a... Siren going through the whole song with the way they released it, which is it's a great song the way they released it But that siren always Made me feel like it would made it a little bit more difficult to Hear the uh, amazing song uh, underneath the siren Anyway, we also knew that Taylor Swift had played the GOP convention and so probably wasn't willing to alienate her legions of Trump supporting fans by having me alter the lyrics to her song out of the woods To make it into an anti-Trump song, we thought we might have a chance with Jack Antonoff, who had been dating uh, her co-writer, Jan Antonoff, because uh, Antonoff had been dating the very liberal Lena Dunham, and uh, Lena Dunham was uh, Taylor Swift's good friend, too. Mostly we were blown away by Ryan Adams' cover of Out of the Woods and wanted to do an altered lyric cover in something close to that style that Ryan Adams used. We were nab- never able to even get a message to any of these mega-artists. We were stopped by their publishers. We were either not willing to get... Uh, the publishers were, not willing, were either not willing to get political, or they just knew that the artists in question didn't want their lyrics messed with, which is actually very understandable to this lyricist. So we released my um, eighth release, recoveries it's a three song ep of straight covers with these three covers on it we decided to finish the production of the songs because we we had already recorded the music during the recording sessions in seattle i love this uh, ep and i'm proud of it but i do wonder how the altered lyric covers would have done especially if we had gotten one of the mega artists to praise it or to back it in some ways, as Gano had backed and praised our altered lyric cover of Blister in the Sun. Also, I thought it would be okay to do a Ryan Adams take on Out of the Woods since the lyrics, and therefore the overall feel would be so different uh, with the altered lyric version. But I was left with the choice of releasing what is essentially a cover of a cover or not releasing anything at all. I love our version, so I decided to release it anyway, and I'm grateful to Ryan Adams for finding the inner slow-down beauty of this Taylor Swift and Jack Antonoff pop pop song, which is a superb pop song. So we weren't able to use three of the songs we spent quite a bit of time on, but we did have two or really three straight covers we wanted to do Cool, Stop the Rain by Credence, and I Hear Them All, which was written by Old Crow Medicine Shows Catch Secor and Dave Rawlings. I decided to do a cover of Dave Rawlings' version of the song as performed by the Dave Rawlings Machine as part of the concert T-Bone Burnett put together a few years ago. The concert was inspired by the music of the Coen Brothers' film Inside Llewyn Davis, Dave Rawlings, Gillian Welch, and Willie Watson shorten I Hear Them All, and then they go right into Woody Guthrie's altered lyric version of The Carter Family's When the World's on Fire. This altered lyric cover is usually known as This Land is Your Land. Nowadays, the melodies we hear on the radio, much like This Land, are not yours or my melodies for which to write protest lyrics. Gone are those days, and so the songwriting left has to write original songs, which is what I do most of the time anyway. This land may not be your land. It may be someone's property, and these melodies are not our protest songs to play with, as Guthrie did. These melodies are property now, and lefty folk singers can go, whatever, you know, jump in a lake. All this makes me think of the sign on... Guthrie's guitar that read This Machine Kills Fascists Guthrie and thousands of patriotic Americans from the great generation who died fighting real fascists in Germany and Italy and the authoritarian regime of Japan all roll in their graves as this disgusting Putin-loving proto-fascist sits in the Oval Office talking about how self-proclaimed Nazis are all quote fine people I ask again how low and why? Getting back to the original songs on Eleven Nine, two of the old Anders Obit songs from our Bush bashing days back in two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five, and six too, actually. Um, so two of these songs worked perfectly for Trump and needed no changes. Those two songs were "A Man for No Season" and "So Wrong." Two others, I believe, expressed well without any changes. What I hope is a very common disgust for the right turn, historical amnesia, and just general cultural stupidity, represented by the election of these two morons, Bush and Trump. These songs are "How Low" and "Why" and "Big World Abide." Looking forward to your fall is a song, uh, is another Anders Obit song, and it's another song from. Uh, the Bush era of our writing and it, so it did, but it did need significant lyric changes so if you can listen to the second chorus in the bridge lyric from our original version you can see how it changed if, when you compare it with the uh, more recent version on 11.9 it goes from the, Bu- the Bush version says you talked about freedom, billions appalled, Abu Ghraib prison, you didn't care at all And then the bridge in the Bush version is, so fond of fighting as long as others called 60,000 boomers down. That's in Vietnam. Now you control the calling, death toll mounting, you don't care at all. I was just commenting on how Bush uh, avoided the draft like Trump. In the Trump version, the second verse is talked about great again, racist whistle call, Jim Crow all over again, you're okay with it all, you don't care at all. And then the uh, bridge was, So fond of Russia, its clever use of power. But what is owed to Putin now? Is it a Russian Tea Party? Are you and Vlad bonding? Do you care at all? So I think you can hear that we have been more intensely looking forward to Trump's fall than we were to Bush's fall. Um, And Bush's fall never really came in a significant way. I don't think that Trump will disappoint us on this. uh, Um with this uh, this time around so as for the new songs on 11 9 um, that they are uh, this fire has burned too long inside the sacrifice zone and do you feel they are all very focused on trump and trumpism my favorite is inside the sacrifice zone which was inspired by this essay i found um, by the same name in uh, the new york review of books um, and if you get a chance to read the essay, again, it's called Inside the Sacrifice Zone. Uh, it's interesting to just check out the photo in the article. and shows how Trump knew he was conning all the—I think it—I read it as Trump's face in the photo as knowing that he was conning all these Sacrifice Zone residents. But I'll let the uh, song um, uh, state my opinion about all this. I think it does a better job than I can do uh, in this interview. Uh, I hope I'm not going on too long now.
0: No, no, you're not going on too long. So let's keep moving. Um, this new release, 11.9, how is this one different from things you've released previous to now? Were you trying to accomplish anything specific on this project? 11.9
1: so is my third political release. Actually, it is my fourth. If you count the handful of political songs on my otherwise apolitical album, tethered to the ground. Um, it is my first full-length political release. 11.9 contained the first straight covers I had released. The only cover prior to that was Blister in the Sun on tethered to the ground. 11.9 was the fourth release of mine that was produced by G- Matt Brown, and the second time I was fortunate enough to work with Mark Lanigan's guitarist, Jeff Fielder, who is a um, um the first time i got to work with jeff again was uh, on remains in me eleven nine was also the third time i had worked with a full band recording at the same time the first time was with producer jeff P- peters for my uh, 2004 anti-bush ep songs for wayward days hall of fame drummer pete thomas who was elvis costello's drummer and bassist Davey farragher who was in the band cracker both graced that ep In addition to Grammy-winning guitarist Randy Mitchell, Randy would go on to write three songs with me and produce my third release, More Regrets. Jeff Peters mixed my first four releases. What makes 11.9 truly unique from my other releases is mostly due to the incredible chemistry we were able to achieve during the recording sessions at Electro Kitty in Seattle. Matt Brown Brown was responsible for uh, uh, creating this fantastic vibe that we had there. I hear that vibe, that energy, that sound that came out of that great chemistry when I listened to the album. Our main goal for the album was to create a body of anti-Trump songs that would express our disgust, but express it in an artful way, a way that could be heard and might move people, even people who weren't appropriately disgusted by Trump. I doubt anything along these lines could be heard by Trump supporters. A hard disgust, but a softer bewilderment and a softer sadness with regard to the state of our disunion. I have been quite confident that we have in the Oval Office a rather moronic mafia boss type who is more than a criminal. He is a hardcore traitor who actually hates what has always made America great, our diversity. He and his, quote, fine people don't mind betraying our country by undermining its democracy, because they hate our country, much like Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis hated our country, and they hated our equal rights for all citizens. Much like Putin hates our country, he probably sees it he probably sees our country as effeminate, way too diverse. He's such a macho dude and such a typical moronic, murderous mafia boss. He's a despot cliche. How do you make the kind of disgust and sadness? How do you make this kind of disgust and sadness into artful music? That was my goal with 11:9. my deep gratitude goes out to all the Seattle musicians, all the various collaborators and songwriters, and especially to Matt Brown for whatever success we achieved vis-a-vis this very difficult goal.
0: What are some of the challenges you faced as an independent musician in this oversaturated digital age? And on the flip side, since we know technology helps us, how has it helped you?
1: Because I have a good day job career going, I'm able to make music without the music really paying for itself. Frankly, it's an expensive hobby. Movie and TV placements have helped in the past, but don't add up to much compared to the expense of making music the way I want to make it. The technological changes that have impacted the music industry really got amped up around the time I started writing music with Marco Bitts in the early 2000s. So the music industry has Industry has changed significantly since I got started, and has the way, as has the way music gets recorded and distributed. Mark still uses the same Pro Tools rig he had, I think, back in 2004. I fumble around on GarageBand as best I can, so recording is easier in some ways, and that has been good for me. But uh, but what has been really good for me have been the changes in distribution. Indie artists can get their music out there so much easier now. But this has probably also made it more difficult for me to get my music heard by people who might like my music, those people who might become part of my audience. This is true simply because there is so much music for them to hear, because it is so easy to record at a high level and because distribution is so easy. This is where organizations like Middle Tennessee Music really help indie artists like me. And again, I am very grateful to MTM for helping me get my music heard by people who might be into it.
0: Where's the best place for us to connect with you online and find more of your music?
1: So at my website, ericanders.com, you can hear all of my music, and of course you can listen to all of it for free on YouTube. I love how well YouTube disseminates music my music, but not sure if it helps me out in the big picture. The music industry is still very difficult to figure out as an unsigned artist. I've stopped trying to figure it out, but I'm still open to being signed. This is when you cue the cynical, defeated laughter. If you want to hear my music, the easiest place to go to is my website, ericanders.com. Eleven Nine and my EP Recoveries are great examples of uh, the recent sound that Matt and I have been able to Uh, create, and they can be found both on Bandcamp. For a good retrospective of my music from 2003 to 2011, um, check out my 2016 release, Big World Abide. You can find that on my website or on Bandcamp.
0: Is there anything else you want to add before we sign off? And again, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Please listen to Eleven Nine and please buy the album. All album proceeds go to the truly fine people. At Lambda Legal, Lambda Legal is one of the is on the front lines of the resistance against Trump and his fine people. And um, thank you, Joshua, for this opportunity to tell you more about myself and my music. And thanks again for your two kind reviews of Big World Abide and Eleven Nine. I'm truly grateful to you for taking interest in me and my music and for sharing this interest with your readers.
0: Mid10 Listens is sponsored by Unlimited Sounds Publishing and Distribution, LLC, an independent company based in Sacramento, California, specializing in publishing administration and digital distribution services for independent musicians. Find out more at www.ulsounds.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Mid-Ten Listens 5 at 5. If you want to show your support from MiddleTennesseeMusic.com in this podcast, check out our book, Getting Your Music Heard Online, available from our website as well as Amazon in formats Kindle and paperback. You can also show your support by subscribing and rating this podcast on iTunes. Doing so will improve your well-being, increase joy, and bring good karma to you. It might also improve your online marketing skills, your online presence, and help you get your music heard by more people.